Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hello, I'm Scott Santucci. And I'm Brian Lambert, and we're the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is dedicated to helping sales enablement leaders understand the big questions they should consider in order to be successful with sales enablement. In this podcast, we reframe, revisit, rethink, and confront reality in sales enablement. And on this podcast episode today, we've got something pretty special, but I'm not sure what it is. Scott, frame it out for me. What do you got? Thank you, Brian, and thank you, everybody, for joining our show. As you know, this is the part of our show where we frame out the topic or the theme today. This theme that that we're using, actually, we're going to go a little multimedia and try something different that we've never done before. I'm going to play you a clip. It's, uh, it runs about a minute and uh, 10 seconds, but I'm going to comment a little bit along the way and see what you think. So five bucks if you know who this is or, you know, buy a beer uh, when I see you sometime. That is a little chicken hawk. And that is one of the main characters in Foghorn Leghorn. What's the matter, Buster? I'm too teeny to catch chickens. Ah, teeny schmeeny. Promise you'll get me a bone and I'll tell you how to get a chicken. So the person talking now, that's the dog. The dog is the arch nemesis of Foghorn Leghorn. Okay, it's a deal. Oh boy, this is swell. All I need is a bone. So he's just run in to another uh, character in this little tiny story. It's a cat. Okay. Everybody wants something. I don't know how to get a fish. Did you say a fish? Yes, I said a fish. I'll tell you how to get a fish for uh, a little piece of cheese, maybe. This character is a mouse. He's come out of the barn. That's it. That's a good question. <laughs> so, so what will the cheese want, Scott? No, just kidding. Um, first of all, uh, I, I don't know what, if the listeners can uh, hear that, but it's a pretty cool story. So you may have to turn that up and you have my permission to hit the rewind button <laughs> for a minute and listen to that again. The second of all, I don't know how you have time for all this to come up with this stuff. Scott, are you watching Chicken Hawk and Foghorn Leghorn for hours on end looking for clips or what? <laughs> Actually, when I was a kid uh, watching that, for whatever reason, I just remember some of the cartoons and this one stuck in me because when I was getting sales trained and I was uh, listening to my Zig Ziglar tapes, Zig Ziglar has this quote that 
just resonates with me at my core. His quote, and I think anybody who knows who Zig Ziglar is, if not, Google him, learn, learn all about it. He says, you can get anything in life that you want as long as you help enough people get what they want. And for whatever reason, I needed to have a way to connect the dots between those two. And so that's really how I get the, this Foghorn Leghorn uh, uh, cartoon to me epitomizes all of the challenges that we're dealing with sales enablement. Yeah, everybody wants something different. And, and actually I would add another component to that, you know, the, the chain there, right? I, I need a bone, I need some cheese. Everybody's got a different need. But uh, on the sales and ailment side, you have to kind of orchestrate that all together into one outcome or one solution. That's right. So the way that I the way that I think about it, and to you know put some, I feel like now we're in uh, English class and trying to determine the meaning of um, uh, Walt Whitman or some poem. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, the chicken hawk represents all of us sales and ailment people, and going from just Oh, super eager. Yay, I can get the dog a bone. Um, but what is it that we want? And ultimately, the end of this cartoon, it's, you know, seven minutes, it's way too long to play a clip like that, uh, is he ends up getting the plan from the dog, because he gets the, he gets the cheese to the mouse, the mouse gives the, the bone, or gives the fish that he caught with the cheese to the, to the cat, the cat gives, tells him how to get the bone and he gives the bone to the dog who ultimately gives him the plan on how to get foghorn leghorn. So the little chicken, chicken hawk can eat that big, 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 uh, ridiculous foghorn leghorn. So the, the point of this is we sales enablement professionals are like the little chicken hawk in the sense that we start off with um, what is it that we want? We wanna have a measurable impact. Now, what our impact is, is different for each of us, but depending upon our companies, the scope and the appetite, how strategic that we want to be. But at the end of the day, what is it that we want? We can get anything in life that you want. Well, we want big chickens for dinner. <laughs> yeah, and, and we want to help people, right? I mean, the mouse needed help, the cat needed help, the dog needed help, right? We want to be able to help people. So that's part of that too. The chicken hawk story to me was, not only did he want to get his own outcome, he, he actually was considering the needs of others. I'm not sure if that's what you meant as well, but I think I see that in sales and ailment people all the time was, is trying to be helpful. That's right. And that's the second part. The way that you get what you want is helping others get what they want. And the, the, the part that I like the best that resonates with me the most in this cartoon is when he goes, Everybody wants something. Everybody wants something. Everybody Zig Zig wants something. I think that was Zig Ziglar himself. <laughs> That's true. He also <laughs> says that. So maybe Zig Ziglar's famous quote was inspired by watching because Looney Tunes came out before Zig Ziglar. So yeah. who knows? Whatever it is, it's a universal truth. The user, universal truth is that um, you, are be you can get more of the things that you want by supporting others what they want. Now to make this business focused E, because we don't want you to quote uh, Foghorn Leghorn inside your company. This is just meant to make, uh, make some of these big ideas uh, simple. But there's a, a, a term that maybe you should embrace. It's called stakeholder management. And really that's one of the, one of the critical success factors that all sales enablement leaders must master if you're going to 
you know, keep your job and also uh, continuously add value. So that's really the key, the key point that we're talking about here is stakeholder management, the importance of it, how stakeholder management helps you sell the value or the function of sales enablement internally and how challenging it is. Yeah, I like it. And, uh, you know, little known fact, the, the word uh, sell is Icelandic. It's spelled like S-J-E-L-L. So our global audience can tell me how to pronounce that. It's like Zvel or something like that. But uh, a lot of our listeners may not know this, but uh, the word sell actually means to serve. So to your point, Scott, enablement, who are you serving? Who are you helping? And this is a, a profession built on serving others and providing some sort of outcome to a group of people who are also serving others to provide some sort of outcome. And it's an important profession, but yet from a stakeholder management perspective, everybody wants a bone, not only today, they wanted it yesterday and everybody has their own needs. And you get into this, I, you know, I've seen it before and I've been, been in a role where this happened every day is, is a new request and it's hard to serve people in that. What do you, what do you think about that? I think you're right, and I think that's uh, one of the things we had. A, we had an episode. I think it was episode number seven where we had Beth on, and uh, we we brought up this issue. But let's start to make this more real before we start making act academic. So we're starting out with a cartoon. Nothing is less academic than that. But now, then we bubbled it up to stakeholder management. Oh my God, the academic alert is way high. Let's talk about why you need these. It's why you need these things and why you need these tools. So insert any chicken hawk, any sales enablement practitioner like any of us. You've heard the stories uh, from earlier podcasts. Our first two podcasts were about uh, selling sales enablement internally. Uh, the third podcast was how I set up a, a sales enablement function was heavy on, on, on selling it internally. Let's just break this down very simply. Who are our constituents? To whom is it that we're enabling? And it's a very difficult topic. The sale, members within the Sales Enablement Society don't agree on what the definition of Sales Enablement is. Uh, we've commented before, Brian, of for, when we were at Forrester, we produced the first version. Forrester and Upon Itself has come up with a different version, elapsed time frame, uh, 10 years, still debating about the definition of Sales Enablement. That's a circular wheel that doesn't add any value. Let's talk about your company inside your company. Who is it that you're trying to enable? Are they individual salespeople? If so, what's the bone they want? Is it the sales managers? If so, what's the fish they want? Is it the VP of sales? If so, uh, what's the cheese that they want? And then in order to give them those things, we have to go into what does the CFO want? Because ultimately, we're going to need resources, right? We're going to ask for headcount. We're going to ask for, for, for money. So what does the CFO or finance organization want? Yeah, I like this because visually, you can categorize by these big, big items. You know, then you can say, well, what kind of, what kind of cheese? You know, cheddar that's or right. Colby cheese? <laughs> what kind and of fish is it, right? And these are questions that you can ask your stakeholders without assuming. And I think that's, that's important being a chicken hawk and all. That's right. And it becomes more complex as our businesses get more complex because we're trying to solve, uh, solve universal problems for our clients or bring them commercial insights or whatever we want to call them rather than just selling them product. 
So yeah. That is, so the, yeah. So before you go on to that, sorry to interrupt, but are we making this, what would you say if, if somebody said, okay, now, now you guys are getting crazy. You're making this too complex. You went from a cartoon we're we're one click into this and this is, this is uh, getting too complicated. What would you say to that? That's the reason you got a job. Uh, the reason that the role sales enabling is a, has emerged is because somebody got tapped on the shoulder and said, Brian, this thing's broken, fix it. Uh, bro the things that are broken are really the sales system, the sales engine, however you want to put it, your sales machine coming apart at the seams because yeah. you don't have a execution fabric to connect the dots because your, your company is organized in a bunch of different silos with a ton of specialists that are really smart in their own, own areas, but none of your customers care about any of that stuff. And you're getting handed broken things. It's not like they're all put together. So right. I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever had to build something for kids and, and it exploded upon opening into a bunch of little piece parts like Legos. Uh, yeah, that can get kind of complicated. And it can get very complicated too when when you open the package cr Christmas Eve night and you're putting together the putting together those those toys and you lose the instructions. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't have instructions. Yep. None of us have instructions. This is a brand. This is a relatively new role. There isn't an instruction manual. So unfortunately, this is you. you the the good news is you have a job and you have a job and a function that there's a lot of upside to if you can get it right. The con of that opportunity is, guess what? You've got to confront the complexity of putting the jigsaw pieces, pieces together. It's just, it, it just goes with the territory. Sorry. If, yeah. if, you know, if you, can't, Makes you know, sense. can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, we're seeing that, um, more and more roles in sales enablement. And then two, the evolution of the role to be more, more strategic. Um, to, in other words, to take a purview of broader set of pieces. And, you know, that's a whole separate show. We'll talk about that. But back to the topic of being the chip, chicken hawk here. Mm -hmm. Remember that story from Elizabeth when, when on that one podcast of Confronting Reality where she was talking about what the sales managers wanted and there was this, this friction and we, we kind of coached her up on, you know, you can't have that friction. What would you say about that uh, productive friction and, and the, the bringing of, together of people and, and where they're rubbing the wrong, rubbing elbows and, and how, uh, how that relates to, you know, stakeholder management. Cause to me, it's not all going to be happy, you know, uh, cartoon. It's going to get messy. Well, I think if you watch this cartoon, the little chicken hawk isn't happy, right? <laughs> Everybody wants something. That's, yeah. that's your dilemma. So the, e even that, that, that premise isn't, isn't true, but really the, the, the key point is, it's really getting at the heart of what enable means. Enable doesn't, enable could mean I give you what you want and just give everybody what they want, but then there's no quid pro quo. In order for me to do something for you, I need something in return. Yeah, that's so, a foreign, but that's that. Uh, okay, first of all, you might be the first person that I've heard talk about that in a public setting about what are we getting back as enablement leaders? Because I've been to a lot of meetings. I've been to a lot of uh, events. I've talked to hundreds of sales enablement people. N nobody's nobody's asked, you know, what should I be asking for? What's my quid pro quo? They, they, all, they all, though, however, have a challenge with resources, uh, getting a seat at the table, uh, you know, having a strategic partnership with sales. 
you know, they, they tend to talk in terms of the outcomes that they want. So are you talking about that? Or are you talking about something more tactical, uh, a meeting cadence with others as a quid pro quo? Are you, what are you talking about with the, the ask from sales enablement? Can you be more specific? So really, I'm going to be simple about that. I know, you know, we want to go in to start talking about what we're doing, but let's just make sure we're really clear on what, what it is I'm talking about. You only have a limited amount of budget. You can keep asking for more budget. You can keep asking for more resources. We both know that the way that you get, re it, that's probably, you're never going to get enough resources that you ask for. You're going to want to own more things, but you're competing with other departments that want to own things. None of that's a winning strategy. The winning strategy is to look, uh, look at the deck of cards that you've got and say, based on what, what we've got, here's what I can do for you. The quid pro quo comes from other people granting you things. Take, to give, get, having them give you or agree to give up ownership on things. So for example, we can start, the, the scenario with Beth was she's, uh, she's viewing the sales managers and the sales managers are viewing her as competitive. Well, the first thing is let's make clear, how do I help you? Me, me, Elizabeth, how do I help you as a sales manager? What is it that you want? If I can give you X, what are you going to do in return for that? And they, they could say, well, that's just what I expect, but that's not who, Beth, who pays Beth's checks, who writes Beth's checks. The VP of sales or the director of sales in this case is the one who writes the checks. That's the, that's the one she has to make happy. So in, in other words, she has to get permission gain permission. So I'll do this for you. You'll do this for me. And because we've done that together, both of us win. That's sales 101. Yeah. And I, I know for a fact that that approach works. We uh, actually in my enablement role took over additional headcount and even had a new f a function for a while. We took over a function uh, based on that because, you know, our, our leadership was complaining about a lack of service. We said we could provide it, but to do that, we need the headcount of those those people cut over to us. And it was simple. Okay, makes sense. So let, let, let's let's put this into more um, concrete terms, right? So some of our listeners. So, so we're gonna we basically Brian and I think of, think of the world in a, of enable in three stages of maturity. So stage number one is a highly reactive world, which unfortunately most of us are in right now. Okay. Stage number two is a managed world and stage number three is an adaptive world. And, and you have to be able to accumulate enough of these favors and be able to accumulate enough of the, enough of the piece parts in order to you know, move up that value ladder. But let's talk about something a lot of us are doing right now, which is onboarding. Now, we could take the point of view that says onboarding is I develop the program. And then you can say, well, I trained all the reps and throw your hands up and say, you know, it's up to them now. Look at all our scores that we had. But if at the end of the day, the time from new hire to productivity, if that metric is, is small, you haven't really enabled sales. You haven't given anybody anything except made a bunch of deliverables. So one way to think about that would be, hey, in terms of onboarding, what do sales managers want? And you can ask them, but you, know, you can get really clear one of the things that sales managers want are some sort of predictable performance, some sort of behavior. Reps who come from the onboarding program, I know can do these, these specific things without my supervision. And that's incredibly valuable for sales managers because they don't have to do that stuff anymore. 
and then it can be clear what their responsibility is. For salespeople, what is it? It shouldn't be just about you, whether you're getting feedback, what are they getting from it? And any salesperson who goes through training wants to feel confident that they can actually perform the job. Uh, what do other groups, so if you've been involved in sales, uh, sales onboarding before, you've had to deal with lots of groups. Suddenly you get uh, a lot of friends, product groups, patting you on the shoulder saying, hey, Brian, you know, I can help you out a lot. Just give me 15 minutes so I can introduce the reps to what our products are. And you multiply that by all the product managers and do, do you give in to them? Right. Um, then you also have the, the human resources people who say, you know, this is a great opportunity if I have uh, reps introduced to our benefits program. Or the IT people, we need to train them up on all the function, exactly how to use the CRM system. And on and on, the VP of sales says, I only want one thing. I want them to know what our culture is. And yeah, so what would you say, what would you say if, uh, you know, somebody listening said, well, that's, that's the, the cheese, that's the bone, that's what everybody wants. You just said at the beginning, we should give everybody what they want. You know, if we give enough people what, we, what they want, then we're going to be successful. Shouldn't we give them what they ask for? Put, put them in, load it up. Everybody wants in, let them in. Why not just do that? Well, so that's the great question. Who is this for? So if, if your job is the goal, right? Keep in mind at the end of the day, it isn't just giving everybody what they want. It's through the lens of what you want. You want to have a successful onboarding program. How will the successful onboarding program be measured? What metrics are you using? Given those metrics, what role, what handoff needs to happen between sales, uh, frontline sales managers? Let's say that the program doesn't go well and Somebody says, well, geez, we invested all that money in onboarding. You're, going, you're probably going to say, well, it's, that's the frontline manager's responsibility. And frontline manager sales response, response is probably going to be, well, what about the onboarding program? The onboarding program didn't work. And then we're going to say, well, you know, HR wanted three days and product wanted seven. I didn't have any time to teach skills. Right. That's what I would have taught them. But, I, you know, I was making everybody happy. And it's not my fault either. So the, the issue is, what is it that you want? Get people to agree on what they want. And that what, what they want is, the, is any kind of charter. It's a manifestation of it. That's the, and that, the, the thing that you want to provide is you want a chicken, right? That, that you want, the, the, the chicken hawk is after the chicken. You want foghorn leghorn. That's what you want. In order for you to get what you want, you have to give each of these different things. But here's the nuance. The nuance is, why should a product manager th think they know how to train salespeople? If you accept and give them the space to give them a space to train, why would you do it? Why don't you flip it around and say, the purpose of this course is to get salespeople comfortable talking to a uh, uh, head applications or uh, a facilities manager. And that's what we're going to do here. So, well, yeah, so in this case, the, the foghorn leghorn becomes, uh, hey, welcome to onboarding, everybody. Uh, this is the onboarding program that's going to get you comfortable to talk to heads of facilities. You know, by the end of this program, you're going to be able to do that and know where stuff is and where to get help. And uh, let's go. You know, right. that's the outcome. So the ask could be, hey, product marketing, instead of giving you a slot so that you have FaceTime and you can check your box, flip it around and say the information that our reps require is X. It'd be wonderful if you could build that for us. 
And if we build that for you, that'll be the way for us to help you um, drive product sales, which is what your goal is. Your goal shouldn't be get, get slot on my onboarding program. Your goal should be driving product sales. The way that we're going to drive more product sales is making sure our reps are talking to the right people. And then in order to do that, they're going to need this type of information that they're not currently being provided. Here's a template for you. I'd love it if you could introduce that. And I'd love to be able to highlight in our training program, go talk to Steve. Steve has this kind of information for you in more detail. But it doesn't make sense, Steve, for us to tack attack to take time away in the minimum time that we've got to make our sellers able to have a conversation with that with that leader because yeah, this is what's expected from the salespeople this is what's expected with sales managers and this is what's expected we're not saying that no that you're not going to get x y and z we're saying here's our strategy on how we're going to help you get what you want which is more product sales or same thing with the you know the the benefits uh folks Yes, in terms of that, that information, we think that that's better to give to the reps once they sign their, um, sign their employment agreement. So why don't we work together on a um, just-in-time video app so once they're filling out all that information, they fill out all the benefits program right when they're ready to do that in, in, the, in the scheme of what they're doing instead of taxing time to learn about our customers. And when you frame it out that way, you're giving them what they want. You're giving everybody what they want. You're just not, what you're doing is you're actually adding value because you know what the purpose of the onboarding program is and you're providing your subject matter expertise to help people figure out how they can get what they want. And you, you win, reps win, customers win, and, and all those individual stakeholders win too. And that's the start of stakeholder management. Obviously, there's a lot more tactical, et cetera, that, that uh, people need to be aware of. And we're running out of time. And, uh, you know, I think framing out this issue is critically important. But, Scott, what, what three, if, you know, you've talked a lot to a lot of people, you've navigated this, coached a lot of people. What, what three kind of lessons learned or takeaways do you have to, to net this out as we come to an end? Okay, thank you, Brian. So there's three things regardless of where you are in your sales and enablement journey and regardless of what level you are, whether you're a director or manager, you're just getting started, you've been doing this for years, then one of the top skills that you need to develop is stakeholder management. Exactly like we highlighted. Um, so it's a skill that you should develop. You should develop for your team. The more you do it, the more you're going to be able to enable success. That's number one. Number two, Using this approach to sell sales enablement internally is critically important. There is no work that you can do. There's no definition or one slide that you can do and say, yeah, they get what sales enablement is. Because even in the sales enablement profession, no one agrees on what sales enablement is. And all you're gonna do is get in a dogmatic uh, argument. This is done sort of like politics. We're getting ready for the next, um, election. Boy, this is going to be an interesting one. But there's a, there's, a, there's a term in politics called retail politics. And if you pay attention to the Iowa, um, the Iowa caucuses, you're, you're going to hear that a lot, particularly on the Democrat, Democrat side. And retail politics is how do you get your message across to people on an individual basis? This is the 
pressing palms and kissing babies, but also giving out that, that message to your different constituents. So in order for you to sell sales enablement, you've got to practice retail politics. All the different groups that you are making, uh, making valuable, you need to be selling what's in it for them by working with you constantly. And by constantly doing that, the, the understanding of what your group is will change over time the more you keep doing it. And the third thing is to stay really clear on focusing on what your role is. Your role as a sales enablement person, forget about all the buzzwords that we want to talk about and all the buzzword bingo at the end of the day, your role is to be in service of. I love how you brought that up, Brian, about the definition sell comes from the, uh, I'd love to see here, you know, uh, understand what a Viking thinks to serve is, but that's a, that's a different point. Uh, sir, it's to serve. And if you think about this story about the chicken hawk, the chicken hawk seems, oh, I might be little itty bitty. You might be thinking, oh, I'm little itty bitty. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a department of one. Or, oh, I'm little itty bitty. We, we are, we are under, underfunded. But that little itty bitty person, because they followed stakeholder management at the end of the day, ended up with the chicken. And the chicken in this case might be strategic recognition from management about how you were able to uh, en enable the gears to, to, to happen. You're also enabling cross-functional alignment. At the, let, let's be honest here. There's so many different stakeholders involved and so many people inside your company who are making things to quote unquote help sales, the random acts of enablement. If you're not proactively corralling it, you're not making, you're not contributing, you're actually producing more random acts. So part of, uh, in, in part of doing your job is making these concessions, getting the buy-in from folks and being able to do it more in the way of to serve rather than to tell people what to do or owning things. Yeah. Be the, three, the, the three points. Yeah. And I like those three and uh, just listening here and, and, you know, thinking this through and then we'll wrap up. But I would say uh, based on that tactically, uh, map it out and, and map them out. So what, who, who are the who's? So uh, sometimes, you know, well, sales, sales uh, said, well, who, who? And I would drive my team crazy. Uh, every meeting, somebody would say, well, marketing wants who? <laughs> and then eventually somebody, everybody else started policing everybody because we, you know, it, it matters who from marketing, who from sales, et cetera. And, and, and in that there's altitude levels, et cetera. So who, who, who's the them, the they, and then uh, map it out. What's the, what's the thing? What's the cheese? What's the bone? And, and I actually had a, a stakeholder mapping exercise where we would go through once a quarter and we would, we would go, you know, red, green, yellow, you know, who's, who's supportive and who's not, who, and, and then what's our strategy. And it might sound a little Machiavellian, but it was super helpful because uh, people would watch their, their step around the folks that are in the red. And, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy, but you, you don't want to give them more fodder to, and piss them off more, right? So, and then the, the second thing I would say is the language of each group matters. And this cross-functional view that you're pointing out here, Scott, uh, you can't assume that everybody's going to have the same uh, understanding of language. So it's no. to be clear and to be overly clear and then you know, communicate it seven times and say it seven times if you have to uh, until people say, what the hell are you talking about? Um, so that's the second thing is making sure that the language that you use is, makes sense to each group, even if it means you have to change your own language. 
uh, but fight for that meaning. And then uh, the final thing is if you, if you don't engage with stakeholder management out, out front, uh, I, I know this from experience as well, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to change perceptions a year down the road. Um, you can certainly walk things back. You can certainly get adjustments, but it takes you probably three to four times longer than doing it, the, the work up front. So my point on that is you either do the work up front to figure it out and you have a strategy and a plan, or you do three to four times the amount of work down, down the road and you don't reach the full potential. It's, it's that critical stakeholder management. And I, I wish I would have paid more attention to that in my previous roles. And that's, uh, you know, hearing from Scott today brings back some of those memories, but also, you know, Scott, I'm thankful for the advice and, and the, the concept here, stakeholder management, and obviously everybody needs to figure out what that means to them. So with that said, um, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks so much, everybody, for your time today. Uh, walking through with the chicken hawk, I, I hope that worked for you. Our sound guy is probably going to fall out of his chair when he hears the recording, but I like the, you know, we're figuring it out as we go, and, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And, and this walk through the stakeholder management piece is critical. I'm sure we're going to have more on that. And as always, give us feedback. Uh, go to the website and fill out the form to get on the mailing list and be notified of future episodes. And, and make sure you uh, rate us on your favorite podcast app uh, because uh, those ratings matter in the algorithms. And, and uh, send us a note, and we'll see you on LinkedIn. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request. <laughs>